Hello, and welcome to The Double Pivot, the world's most agreeable soccer analytics podcast. I am Michael Cayley. We are back to talk about the big stories, the upcoming final weekend of the season. It's Big Saturday in Germany. That is where the actual excitement is. I'm joined by Mike Goodman, who has no interest in what happens in the Premier League this weekend because he's so focused on the Germany story. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> the music we heard on the way in is the Wailers. Please download, subscribe, music as happy as podcasters. Patreon.com slash double pivot. We've got a Discord. There's all sorts of fun conversations going on in the Discord. Did you have a, did you have a favorite topic this week, Kelly? That came up in our soccer discord? I mean, I did think that the discussion of what happened in Spain with Vinny Jr. and his sort of really outspoken, powerful stance against racism, and, and not just against racism, but taking the institutions of La Liga to task for continuing to permit and abet racism was, you know, it was a good place to discuss it. I thought it I thought people, like, took a lot of care and... Also, like, did some funny memes. It was a ni- nice combination of all the kinds of things you want in internet discussion of a somewhat difficult topic. Taking care and making memes. The double pivot, Travote, Discord. We have so many words. <laughs> Thing. <laughs> it's the Travote because it's also Grace Robertson's substack. You all know this by now. I don't know why we're still doing this. Let's talk about the Bundesliga. Are Dortmund going to win the title? Probably. <laughs> Like, they're, they're playing Mainz, they just have to win. A million Dortmund fans just felt like a disturbance in the force when you said that. It went, no! Yeah, I mean, it took them a while, and a red card that wasn't unjustified, but you've seen them not given. All of that came together, and eventually they did score one of their many, many, many chances against Augsburg, and they are now at the top of the Bundesliga table with one game to play. Bayern lost to Leipzig and just weren't great in that game. And so that's all it comes down to. You can, you can watch Dortmund play Mainz this weekend, and if they win, they win the Bundesliga. Or maybe Bayern will drop points. They've done dumber stuff this season. <laughs> and what I think is interesting about this is that there's very little here that is particularly special, especially about this Dortmund team. Yeah, I think I'd like to talk about Bayern a little bit later, because, like, yeah. like how their season has gone is kind of funny. But, like, the Dortmund team... This Dortmund team is not better than the Sancho Holland Dortmund teams. Lord, no. They are not actually going up against a Bayern team that is appreciably... I mean, it's a little bit worse than some of those Bayern teams from those years, but not a ton. It's just sort of like every 10 years, something like this can happen. Right. The 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 fluky thing is Bayern never having this happen <laughs> for a decade. And some of those Bayern teams were legitimately great. We'll talk, we'll talk about that, that, that they've legitimately gotten worse. But you just can't never have this happen to you when there's some like pretty good teams in the Bundesliga and Dortmund are one of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Should we talk about the way that Dortmund are only pretty good? It's crazy, man. (laughs) Like, this is not a good healthy way for anybody's like mental health to play. Because they play... 
a 4141 to a great degree, which sounds like a defensive formation when you say it that way, but it's a 4141 because the eights are so insanely advanced. And Emery Chun is on an island. Like, if I called it a 4123. Yeah. That would be not inaccurate. Like, a relatively similar arrangement. But would I think perhaps maybe get across just how crazy this is? Yeah. And, and, and the wingers, like, they come inside, too. Yeah. So it, they, they are, they, if, that's the one thing with a 4141 that feels, feels wrong is that Ariimi and and, and Malin are really goal scorers off of the wing to a great degree. They, they set up a fair number of shots and, and, and Royce when he plays there as well. Like these are guys who are looking for their shots and they're being fed by, you know, it had been, you know, uh, mostly Bellingham and Brandt here. They, they've, they've moved Guerrero into that position, which I find really enjoyable. He's played as a fullback and played as a wingback. When he plays as a fullback and a wingback, he was really a, a, a free eight of a fullback. And now he can just be a free eight and, you know, creates lots of shots because he's really, really good at passing. And this is what they did to, to Augsburg is they were just passing into the penalty area all the time. It was fun. It was good. But it's just like insanely fragile. I have long joked about the sort of German philosophy being we'll win it in midfield or we'll clear it off the line. <laughs> like... Dortmund don't even particularly take the will win it in midfield part of that seriously. No, they don't. That, I mean, that's one of the most striking things in their numbers, and you, you can you can see it when you watch them. It was reasonably clear in the Augsburg game that even in this game they were dominating. Augsburg got a fair amount of the ball because Dortmund don't really fight super hard to get the ball. They they they've got like they're in the bottom half of the of the Bundesliga in opposition passing percentage. They they press less than the average Bundesliga team. They have much, much more possession than the average Bundesliga team that has such low that has such high opposition passing percentage. Usually what happens if you allow a high passing percentage, that means you're allowing lots of opposition possession. And in Dortmund's case, what it means is that they are able to have the ball, and they have the ball, and they do stuff with the ball aggressively, and they bring the ball forward, and then if they turn the ball over, you get to have the ball for a while. But usually that sort of profile comes with a lot of defensive possession. Exactly. And this does not at all. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> I mean, the reason that they're able to win possession battles so heavily, right, is because they are legitimately extremely dangerous in attack. Yep. Um, what they have done is they have taken these guys, and like, like Malin and Adeyemi specifically, who have sort of, I mean, they're both young. I mean, Adeyemi especially so. Who, but have, are, are like, the idea is that they're forwards one day. Like, they're supposed to be forwards, but they have struggled to be impactful as forwards. So they have made them these pseudo-forwards as wingers, both of them at the same time, and just been like, go be goal scorers, don't worry about it. And that has more or less alleviated the problem of them not being good enough ball, like ball hawks as primary center forwards. It just creates like, no defense. <laughs> Right, because they're they're young, but they defend like center forwards. <laughs> right, yeah. And Brandt is, you know, 
a very 10 kind of player. Bellingham gives you, like, okay defense for a free 8, but doing somewhat less of it this season. And, and you know, Guerrero similarly gives you okay defense for a free 8, and none of these guys are, like, super great pressers. So this is the right thing to do. They sh- if, if these guys were doing something other than, you know, eventually dropping back into possession defense, they would be playing it the wrong way. But again, that's, that's quite dangerous. And Emre Chun is not such a great and uh, rangy defensive midfielder that you make this work. They, 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 they count on a lot from their from their actual defenders the the, the, like cleared off the line part of this is what they depend on to a great degree and it's worked okay like the defenders have been quite good this season to have Dortmund with 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 like you know a top seven kind of defense with one of the best attacks with you know the second best attack in the league yeah I want to like also be clear here that like They've obviously made the right choices with this team. This team is yep. clearly the second best team in the Bundesliga. Um, and like the idea of like, well, we'll put Haller as a nine. He's a nine now that he's back and healthy and we'll have these two nine ish wingers is just been the right call. But it is also like insane that they're on top of the Bundesliga. Yeah. It's one of those things where. It is often considered to be pragmatic, making the most of your weaknesses. You think of that as something a team does, and you get more defensive. We've got these weaknesses, we've got these problems, we've got to try to shore up the defense, and maybe we'll get some goals. And that's just not, there's no reason that you should assume that is the solution to your, your, the pragmatic solution to your problem, and we're going to really score a whole bunch of goals and maybe we'll get broken down sometimes, isn't the pragmatic so- solution. Like, this is the thing you should do with the talent that they've they've put together. It's just, like, it doesn't look like a soccer team that has been put together smartly because we don't usually think of this as what the right thing to do with a soccer team is. I mean, I would suggest it is not a soccer team that has particularly been put together smartly, to be honest. Yes, by, by, by the coach rather than by, by the front office. Yeah. I, I, and, like, to be fair, like, part of Dortmund's remit is, like, we're going to get talented youngsters that are going to come through here and go somewhere else. And if that means we're not, like, constructed perfectly roster-wise some years, so be it. And the coach's job is to make it work. And you, I think there's deserves a lot of credit here, right? Like this mm-hmm. is this is a this is a Dortmund team that under other managers could have been going through a weird down rebuilding year here. And I, I, I think, you know, they've like you know, losing Holland and Sancho, you know, over the last few years, you know, one after the other, you would not blame them for being like they need like like reloading is gonna take some time. And to, like, land on this fairly crazy, even for the Bundesliga system, that has carried them where it has carried them is, like, a, you know, is a real testament. Now, like, at the same time, this team lost to Chelsea in the Champions League. Like, this is not a team that is very, very good. This is a team that is good for Germany, and I think in particular is good within Germany beyond its parts. Like, the solutions that they have found are ones that are particularly adept for Germany. 
Yeah, I, I do think that getting the goals that they've gotten out of Alaire, Mukoko, Royce, Malin, Anadayimi is about as close as you'll get in soccer to the money ball we can recreate him in the aggregate. Yes. Scene. They really did recreate some superstars in the aggregate by putting a whole bunch of forwards at the top of the team. Of course, it had defensive negatives, which they have managed, but this team is not better than those teams. It's just impressive that it isn't worse, talent-wise. And it's the one that ran into this Bayern team. Yeah, so let's talk about this Bayern team, which is really funny because <laughs> we said when they fired Julian Nagelsmann that um, they were just good and it was weird and it seemed like a rage firing after a bad loss to Leverkusen. But like, whatever, it's Thomas Tuchel, it'll be fine. And the thing is, is it has actually not particularly been fine with Thomas Tuchel, and maybe let's start there. Yeah, like, the thing that I guess I expected, I didn't know what to expect with, with Tuchel. Tuchel is a very different manager from Nagelsmann, despite the fact that they have very intricate possession systems. And I kind of figured that he would just try to turn the dial back a little bit on the same system. But they've remained, you know, pretty open and at risk of just giving up lots of chances in any in any given match. And that's, you know, been their problem. They 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 lose to Leipzig because they give up, you know, a couple expected goals with a couple penalties. They they lose to Leverkusen because they give up a couple of expected goals. Like, you know, you give up that many chances, you're gonna lose some games. Pretty much. This is a little bit of a bird walk, but I feel like this has been my year of who cares if they fire the manager? The manager's not doing a great job and they can bring in the next one and, and it'll be fine. And like, I've said it about three teams. I said it about Leeds with Jesse Marsh. I said it about Chelsea with Graham Potter. And I basically said it about Byron with Nagelsmann. And I like, I think I'm over three. <laughs> that like in each instance for different reasons the new guy came in and was demonstrably worse now in in Chelsea's case who cares doesn't matter in in Leeds case there's a very real chance he's going to get them relegated that the process of replacing not the process of not having Marsh but the process of figuring out and replacing Marsh was handled so poorly that it may cost them their their Premier League lives barring a an unlikely set of events not impossible but an unlikely set of events on closing weekend and then for Bayern I mean there are there are there are times where you run this back and they would win the title anyway. But it is quite clear that their performance has dropped as Tugel has come in and tried to fix something that wasn't broken. And one thing that I would just say there is like Nagelsmann is weird, and this roster was weirdly like contoured to him, and just sort of replacing him with Tugel did not like give Tugel a usual foundation that he might want. Yeah, and I I think that I would want to make a, a fair amount of distinction between Bayern and those other two clubs. Like, Leeds got much, much worse, 
and in ways that can be you know pretty easily laid at the feet of trying to play a style that doesn't work at all for the players. And Chelsea, it's not that they got worse that they weren't that good under Tuchel either, but they just are so bad that it makes no sense. And like, this is really bad. And Bayern under Tuchel have just been a little bit worse. And they've yes. also distributed their good performances a little bit weirdly. Like the aggregate is not, not too far off. And the issue is that be- for, because this team is not talent wise as good as Bayern teams traditionally have been. And because they ran a little bit cold early in the season, in terms of turning goals into points, creating a Bundesliga title race, they were in a situation where the margins mattered a lot. And it's hard to look at the way they've played under Tuchel and think they're getting all of the margins they would have gotten with Nagelsmann. And those may turn out to be enough. It's like a one-point situation. I I mean, part of what is so funny is that what was going on with Bayern a little bit is, right, they had this weird talent distribution problem where they lost Lewandowski and brought in Mane, and Mane was an awkward fit, and then he was hurt, and then you're playing all of a sudden Chupamotang as your striker. Except you've got a manager who's like, whatever, I don't really like strikers that much, and, like, everybody else can have the ball, and, like, the striker can stand there and tap it in when it gets to him. That's fine. It's not important. And like the All of my central midfielders, who needs a striker? All of my central midfielders are going to score goals. It'll be great. Right. And so, like, the, the, the talent distribution problem that Bayern legitimately had was actually mitigated by having Nagelsmann, who, like, is perfectly happy playing without a striker, which, by the way, is, like, why, like, Chelsea are worse off from not being able for, to persuade him to come, I think, in, mm-hmm. in a very real way. Um, but regardless of all of that, um, Tuchel is just, like, it'll be interesting to see how they retool the squad for him next year. But, like, this idea that obviously things were going to straighten out for Bayern, which we basically subscribed to, was somewhat undercut by the managerial replacement. Yeah, and I think that the the idea that things would work out for Bayern is something that I still think it was more likely than not that things would work out from the early, from early in the season. I still think it was more likely than not that things would work out from the middle of the season. Up until they lost to Leipzig, it was more likely than not that it would work out. And the things that were the problem, and and one that I think is, is, is an important one, is that Dortmund just managed to be better than I thought that they would be. They they have maintained a level of performance that doesn't make them better than Bayern. I think that, you know, if they played like a seven-game home-and-away series, Bayern would be big favorites. They won that head-to-head. But Bayern are not so good that they cannot get hit by variants. And, like, if you look look over the, the history of their, their, their run, I'd say five or six of those teams really were so good that, like, they just aren't going to get hit by variants at any point. And then, like, you know, another four aren't. So there's, like, one in five that gets hit by variants? That that seems about right. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I think all that's right. I I do think that, like, maybe Nagelsmann stays and this also happens. But, 
like just running a team better and like having given Knuckles been the year just seems to make sense up and down. And then like you could bring in Tugel in the summer and like you could roll over the team then and it's fine. Yeah, because he's still running out more or less the same players. He yep. hasn't stamped his mark on this team through major player decisions. It seems like he wants the same players to be somewhat more conservative and play less aggressive passes and make less aggressive runs off the ball. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, because I think that Nagelsmann is a more natural manager for this set of players. You know, Leon Goretzka wants to run into the penalty area. That's what he does. Kim Kimmich wants to run right to the edge of the penalty area. You're, all of the forwards want to run inside and get into the penalty area. Musiala wants to dribble there. Like, you just have all of these guys where that's where the gravity of their game is, and Nagelsmann let them within a system that, that did the things that he wanted it to, and it made them good, not, not, not great. And I think that under Tuchel, they are more or less, they're doing most of the same things, but without the directive to do it. It's just a little messier. Yeah, I mean, one major change, right, is that <laughs> Chupamotin got hurt. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so, for better or worse, you've had the mix of Gnabry and Muller. And Muller has actually not played that much under Tuchel, which is interesting in its, in its own way. Um, but, like, you know... In some ways, it's like the same problem he had at Chelsea, where he had like seven forwardy guys and no forwards, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and he's just sort of mixing and matching, and it's not particularly working. But like, could have. Yeah, it, it does make me wonder. I'm just making this up entirely, but it does make me wonder if, if you want to mix and match and create forwards where no forward exists, you just need to like turn the dial a little bit too far to attack. And he won't do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that that's seems not unreasonable to me. And then, like, you look at the Leipzig match that they lost where they went up early and they were just not able to absorb pressure in any capacity, like in any way, shape or form. Once Leipzig yep. was like, we got to go score goals. Like, Bayern could not stop them. And also couldn't counterattack. Like, that, 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 which is like, even like, you have to do one or the other. <laughs> And, and and this has been my concern with Bayern all season is that when they matched up against really good teams, which happens very rarely in the Bundesliga, it would be hard to just sort of they sort of assume the ball in a PSG-ish kind of way. And this is this is what happened against this is what happened against Leipzig. What I think is funny is that they are Right. If they get beat by Dortmund, they will get beat by a team that assumes they have the ball more strongly than almost any other team in the world. I mean, the, the lesson of the story is don't run weird when you do that. Yep. <laughs> it's not even like don't run bad, because Bayern didn't exactly run bad. They just ran really weird. Yeah, they, they just sort of... Their best games are too good and their worst games are not good enough. And they have, so they've got all of these blowouts on their schedule while having a bunch of draws and some, and some one goal losses. Yeah. It's like every match they played that was within like 0.75 XG was like a draw. It's bonkers. Yeah. And then they, they roll up six XG on Schalke and, and the egg rate looks really good. And I think that that just really reflects that this is a, 
basically good team that is basically better than Dortmund, and they beat Dortmund, and it wasn't all that weird to see. But you can just run a little cold, and that's why we've got a Bundesliga title race. That's 9.30 Eastern Time US, 9.30. I'm going to be watching. It's exciting. It's cool. We got, like, the highest stakes you can on the final day of the season. Yeah. I mean, not quite the highest stakes you can. They'd have to be playing each other for that. But high stakes. And no one would think Dortmund could win if that was No, that's the thing, right? <laughs> like, Bayern would be significantly favorite. That, that's, a, that's a really good sort of simple gut check indicator of where you think these teams are. Right, yeah. If they played, if they played on the final day, what would the line be? Like, obviously Bayern would be significantly favored. Oh, wait, I have, I have a question for you. I have an incendiary question for you before we get out of here. I love it. On the final day of the season, who would be favored by more? Bayern over Dortmund or City over Arsenal? Oh, that's really good. So if you take it in the aggregate, you're looking at pretty similar numbers. And then if you consider, and we, we discussed this on our Arsenal podcast last week, if you consider the shape of the team's production and Arsenal slow down and the causes of it in injuries, in players not playing, in, in, you know, in the whole team slowing down. I think at this point, the gap between City and Arsenal is clearly larger than the gap between Dortmund and Bayern, even if it isn't sort of over the whole season in the aggregate. Yep, I agree with that too. I, I like, I just think, it's sort of think that that's where we've ended up on the season and it's as much about how City have peaked is anything else, but, you know, it's a really big peak. All right, well, I hope you enjoy the games. I hope they are enjoyable. They could be really, really stupid. If you are a fan of one of these teams, I can't imagine it will be remotely enjoyable until it's over, so, you know, I wish you luck until that moment. Cheers, y'all! Cheers. Cheers.